Welcome to Stand in the Gap Today with your host, the Honorable Sam Rohrer, President of the American Pastors Network, addressing the most pressing issues impacting our economy, our homes, our churches, our culture, and our daily lives from a biblical and constitutional perspective. Stand in the Gap Today, transforming the culture one heart at a time. Well, as we are now midweek into this final week before Christmas, I sure trust that you are already more prepared in heart and mind to make this Christmas more about the Savior and God's love for mankind than any previous Christmas. You know, my recent trip to Israel, which I've referred to several times, had a primary focus on things we looked at in Jerusalem, but it was marked with really incredible emotions wrapped up in discussions with other believers in Christian media from around the world. And as we talked together about the signs of the times that we were all individually seeing, the unfolding events in Israel, of which we saw many, talked about the imminent rapture of the church and the soon-to-unfold time of prophesied tribulation, concluding in the Lord's second coming. As we talked about those things, because you can't not talk about those things when you're right there in Jerusalem and in Israel. But our hearts and our minds were drawn heavenward. They were not drawn here to the earth and what's happening. And being in the Holy Land at the time of Christmas and Hanukkah made it even a more memorable time to me and to the others. And if you did not hear my live update from Jerusalem on Monday, December 12th, could I encourage you to go back and listen to that podcast? You can go to our site at standinggapradio.com or on our Stand in the Gap app location. You can pick it up there. But I think you will be greatly encouraged. Even pass that around to your friends. They will be as well. But I trust that this year you will make the celebration of Christmas not just a singular focused event thinking only about a babe in a manger, but as a fulfilling event and an initiating event which continues to this very day. Also an event that not only started a series of events regarding the first coming of Christ, but frankly, a process still unfolding and will soon transition to the second coming of Christ, and even more beyond where Jesus promised his disciples he would physically return to earth and rule for a thousand years as king of kings. So much. Marvelous. And another thing that was so embedded in my heart and mind when I was in Jerusalem, I physically walked on the newly excavated street from the Pool of Siloam, still not publicly known there, that pool from the Temple Mount, it was from the Pool of Siloam to the Temple Mount, proving that the Temple Mount is not the location of some Islamic temple, but the Jewish temple of Christ's day. And that discovery exposes the very road walked by Jesus Christ, Yeshua, the Son of God, the very Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. And at this Christmas, don't just look back, but look ahead, for He's coming back, just as He said. And to help us all focus our attention more completely this Christmas on the real meaning of Christmas, I've asked Dr. Carl Brogy, Senior Pastor of Community Bible Church of Beaufort, South Carolina, to join me again for this relevant theme. This is our focus today, Christmas, Israel, and prophecy. Looking back, looking ahead, and looking up. And with that, let me welcome back with me right now in a very busy week for a pastor of a large church. Carl, thanks for being back with us today. Uh, pleasure to be with you, Sam. Carl, you've been with me at least four times now as we continue to build the series of programs on prophecy that we're entitling here, God Writing History Before It Happens, a study on biblical prophecy. And ladies and gentlemen, it's available on our Stand in the Gap radio site and on our app. And I encourage you to go there. You can find it on our YouTube channel. But I encourage you to access these powerful programs because I can honestly assure you that if you listen to them from the beginning, you'll get 
I think the most salient points of even a seminary Bible college or seminary instruction in biblical prophecy. It's the essential elements that make it really practical. So please go and do that. All right. Now, that being the case, Carl, I've got one question to ask you to set up this program today to get us going. And that is we look at Christmas and Israel and prophecy, look back, look ahead, and we're going to conclude with a look up focus in the last section. I'd like for you to kind of call out what I'm calling the big story of Christmas, the Christmas meta-narrative, which includes more than just Jesus in the manger. Can you give that to us right now? The big story, the Christmas meta-narrative. Okay, well, Sam, the scriptures open, of course, with the words, in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. And he spends two chapters delineating that creation. The height of his creation is when he makes a man and a woman, Adam and Eve, to be his friends. Of course, they're created in the image of God, and part of being created in the image of God is that we are free moral agents, and so God made us with a choice. And so God said to Adam, from any tree in the garden you may eat freely, but from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil you shall not eat, for the day that you eat from it you shall surely die. And of course, Adam and Eve chose to rebel against God, and just as God said, the day you eat from it, you'll die. They immediately died on the inside spiritually. That day forward and everyone downstream of Adam, we're born dying physically. We're getting older and older and older. And unless the problem is solved before we leave this life, we'll die eternally. It's called the second death in Scripture. It's eternal retribution in a place of judgment. And so it's essential. Jesus said, don't marvel that I say to you, you must be born again. And so Christmas really, among other things, is not just about the birth of the Lord Jesus, but it's the opportunity for us to have a second birth where we can be made alive on the inside. And so God begins to unfold the plan of redemption. In Genesis 3.15, we often call it the Proto-Evangelium from the Latin scripture, uh, the first gospel. It's the first mention of the gospel, and I've got my Bible open there, and it says, I will put enmity between you and the woman. And between your seed and her seed, and he shall bruise you on the head, and you shall bruise him on the heel. It's really the first Christmas message in all of the Bible, where God makes this prophecy about what he will do. He says that I, God speaking in the prior verse, he's speaking to Satan, will put enmity between you, that is Satan, and the woman, that's Eve, who's alive. She's the only woman present. She's the only woman in existence in this time, and between your seed and her seed. So there's these two seeds that are mentioned, and the enmity between them. And of course, the word for seed in Hebrew, often rendered in different English Bibles as descendant or offspring, speaks of a person. And so the seed of the woman refers to a person, and the seed of the serpent refers to a person. People sometimes said, will say to me, well, do you mean Satan had a child? Well, no. Um, But in the broadest sense, we're his offspring, Jesus can say, you are of your father, the devil. And in a specific sense, there's a coming man known as the Antichrist, who will be, I suppose, the closest you could get. He'll be uh, inhabited by the evil one. But God speaks here of the seed of the woman. Now, women don't typically, we don't speak of a woman having a seed throughout Scripture. That's of the man. But God speaks of her seed because God is going to allow the Savior of the world not to be born from Joseph, but to be born from Mary's seed. Uh, I mean, from the spirit seed placed in Mary. It's going to be a supernatural birth. And so the spirit will overshadow Mary's womb, 
and bring together perfect, sinless humanity um, with eternal deity into one person we call the Lord. And so the purpose of Christmas is the incarnation because God said man must die. And, and Brother Carl, we're out of time, unfortunately. I'm going to have you pick that up where you're just leaving off right now. When we come back in the beginning of the next segment, it's so important that we have this big story, the meta narrative, before we look back and then look ahead and look up. So, ladies and gentlemen, stay with us. We're talking today Christmas, Israel, and prophecy. Looking back, looking ahead. 140 million. That is the projected number of babies born in the world for 2022. Everyone precious and valuable, each one having a name, a story a heritage, a divine purpose. It would be impossible to pinpoint one child as the most significant. I'm Jamie Mitchell from the American Pastors Network, and each December, we are reminded again who that special baby was. The heavenly host told the shepherd why he was significant. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior who was Christ the Lord. That baby was Jesus Christ, son of Mary and Joseph, God's only begotten son, born to save mankind from their sin. This Christmas, never forget the real reason for the season, the birth of the most significant baby of all time, Jesus Christ, the Savior and Lord. From our family to yours, have a very Merry Christmas. For years, faithful Christians formed nonprofit foundations or trusts to preserve their ability to generously give to their favorite causes or ministries, even after their death. The problem? Professional managers, pressure from left-wing agendas, and even family members with opposing views hijacked the original donor intent. This is sad, but true. But this subversion of purpose can be prevented. Hello, I'm Sam Rohr of the American Pastors Network, and I'm glad to recommend Capstone Legacy Foundation in Wayne, Pennsylvania, an experienced and capable Christian community foundation established to help you set up a ministry, a giving structure guaranteed not to be hijacked, or a place you can donate cash or non-cash assets like stocks, bonds, or property Capstone's designed to help you achieve immediate tax savings and give you needed time to decide how to prayerfully allocate your giving. Contact Capstone at 610-688-8890 or visit them at capstonelegacy.org. I'm Ruth Kramer with Mission Network News. Indonesia has approved sweeping changes to the penal code. The United Nations says the code could threaten basic freedoms. Bruce Allen with FMI says it forbids insulting the president or state authorities. Most worrying, though, the code upholds unwritten local rules and customs. For instance, women in some areas could be prosecuted for not wearing a hijab. Ask God to give Indonesia's believers wisdom and strength and find your place in the story at missionnews.org. And Tunisia's home to a small church with believers coming from Muslim backgrounds. They don't typically face violence for their faith, but many live as pariahs among their families and communities. And on top of that, it can be difficult for the church to grow. We spoke with a Tunisian believer who lives outside the country, and he says Tunisian Christians often face a lack of unity split into many small denominational groups. So ask God to bring unity and growth to the church in Tunisia. Mission Network News is a service of One Way Ministries. I'm Ruth Kramer. You're listening to Stand in the Gap today. For more information, visit our website at standinthegapradio.com. 
A special guest today is Dr. Carl Brogy, Senior Pastor of Community Bible Church in Beaufort, South Carolina. He's been with me a number of times as we're developing programs on prophecy and trying to make oftentimes the complex simple. But today we're taking this on our Israel and Prophecy Focus Wednesday and looking at Christmas and Israel and prophecy. They have to go together but in a way of looking back, looking ahead, and looking up. But before we go into looking back and what that should do for us, Carl, we just ran out of time in that first segment, but you were laying out the big story, the meta-narrative, I put it that way, relative to Christmas. Could you pick up where you left off and finish that piece? Yeah, so the first prophecy of a Savior is in Genesis 3.15, where God is going to provide a substitute. And it's imperative because God loves us. He cares for us. He created us to know him, but he created us as free moral agents. We stand. It's brought death. And so God, who set the penalty, wants to pay the penalty. An angel couldn't serve as a substitute, Sam, because angels, while they're persons, they're not human. God, who's pure spirit, couldn't serve as a substitute because you can't nail a pure spirit to the cross. An animal couldn't serve as a substitute They could only symbolize what the Messiah would do. And so what did God do? God himself took on our humanity, and he did it through a miraculous conception. A virgin will conceive and bear a child, the prophet Isaiah wrote. And so God became a man. The Spirit overshadowed Mary's womb, brought together perfect, sinless humanity with eternal deity in one person. And so on the cross, God shed his blood. When Jesus was on the earth... What flowed through his veins was not Joseph's blood, because he was not sired by Joseph, but he was sired by the Spirit of God. The blood of God was in his veins. Paul echoes this in Acts 20, that the church was purchased with the blood of God. And so Jesus, dying with his sinless blood, made a complete and eternal payment for sin. And that's really what we're, we're celebrating at Christmas, not just the cradle, mm. but the cross. That's fantastic. And that sets it up perfectly, Carl, because at this point, with that being said, many people may look at the birth of Jesus in Bethlehem. Was that literal? And it was historically documented. It's all of that, but it was prophetically prophesied, making it an amazing event even more, I guess, spectacular than what you just said, that God came in the form of a man and shed God blood, divine blood, for the penalty of our sins. That's the divine plan of redemption. It's an incredible thing. But Christmas, as we are talking about it, it's not a standalone event. And I'd like you to take and go from here if you can, because the birth of Christ, among other things, it was foretold. It was a prophesied event, which makes it in addition to what you just said, truly supernatural. Can you take and identify some specific Old Testament prophecies that foretold the birth of Christ and then what began to unfold when Christ was born? Uh, Sam, I called a rabbi friend in Jerusalem a couple weeks ago. I met him on an airplane. I'm trying to win him to Jesus. He and his sons run 11 yeshivas, and I dialed all these series of numbers. And what's amazing to me is when you hit those numbers, out of what we just crossed, over 8 billion people on the earth, it rang in his house. And I think of Scripture very that much that way. Genesis 3.15 just eliminated the entire angelic being as being potential. It must be the seed of a woman, a supernatural seed. And then God uh, narrows it a little bit more. He pushes another number on the phone, so to speak, and he takes a certain section from the human race that the Messiah would come. Shem, Ham, and Japheth come off the ark, and God prophesies that it will be through Shem's 
lineage. He tightens it a little bit more, pushes a few more numbers, and said it's going to happen through a man, Abraham, where he starts the Jewish race. Tightens a little bit more and says that through one of Abraham's descendants, namely the tribe of Judah, the Messiah will come. Tightens it a little bit more and a family within that tribe, namely David. And then he tightens it a little bit more and a special woman within that family who would bear a child through a virgin conception. Tightens it a little bit more and makes it clear that the Messiah would be born in a particular place, namely in Bethlehem. Pushes a few more numbers. He gives the time frame in Daniel 9 that the Messiah will come the first time. And so in the fullness of time, just as God prophesied from the human race, from a certain section of that race, from a certain nation of that race, from a certain tribe, from a certain family, from a certain time frame, from a certain woman, and a certain place, the Messiah would be born in you. Bone picks off this Jesus on the other end. It, it's absolutely astounding how God fulfilled prophecy to pull this off. Hundreds of prophecies literally actually fulfilled concerning his first come. As exciting as that is, and it is, it's an incredible thing. But that began a series of events, not just the birth of Christ, but a series of events that we call the first coming. But that also set up a series of events which we are still experiencing. And could you take and build that out a little bit as we consider today Christmas, not just the birth of Christ, it's a whole lot more. Well, yes. So Jesus is born in Bethlehem with his specific purpose to die on the cross in our place. And so in the whole first coming program, it speaks of his birth, it speaks of his being raised in Nazareth, it speaks of him making his headquarters Capernaum, that was also prophesied by Isaiah the prophet, um, that he would ultimately go to Jerusalem there, as the prophets predicted, he'd be pierced through for our iniquity. Uh, Isaiah writes this 700 years before, King David a thousand years before, uh, hundreds of years before crucifixion had even been fought up, that Messiah will be pierced through for our iniquities, buried in a tomb, and just as the scriptures uh, foreordained, on the third day he'd be raised from the dead. He walks on the earth for another 40 days with many convincing proofs, appearing to believers, and then he ascends into heaven from the Mount of Olives and makes a promise. From this very mountain that you are watching me ascend, I am literally, actually, bodily going to return again. And so there's hundreds of prophecies. Someone tried to predict one time just the possibility that 50 could be fulfilled by chance, and it was 1 times 10 with 157 zeros after it. This is supernatural. This is the fingerprints of God Almighty. No man could have thought it up. Only God knows the future. And really, prophecy, as we've been saying, is history pre-written. And Brother Carl, when you preach, as you've been in a long series on prophecy, you have passion and have the ability to take and lay out some of these details we're talking about today. And we're trying to take a whole lot and put it down into simple form as we think about Christmas, because what better time? But, you know, as you describe what you just talked about, statistically impossible, supernatural, you know, divine in every way, all of these things that we're talking about. Here's my question. Make it practical, because here we are now 2,000 years after what you just talked about. When we as believers here in 2022 look back, here would be my question. What emotion, what passion, what attitude should be 
created in our mind and our lives as a result of looking back to all of those things you described happening supernaturally, impossibly from a human perspective. We can't just sit here and just nod our head and say, isn't that interesting? What should that create in all of us believers here today in 2022? Well, first and foremost, we should fall on our face and worship Him. You know, I think of the wise men who came Uh, They brought three gifts, however many number there were. They brought gold because that was symbolic of a king, and they recognized that Messiah is kingly. And so they asked the question, where is him who is called king of the Jews? They understood that from Scripture, and so they brought gold appropriate for a king. They brought frankincense, which is a picture really not just that he is a sovereign king, but he is sinless, of his sinless deity, because frankincense, in the most precise translations like the KJV or the NASB, will render it not incense, but frankincense. It's a specific Hebrew word, and God had specified that you couldn't use frankincense for your own use, but only in his worship, because only God is holy, only God is sinless. And so they brought frankincense, and then they brought myrrh. And myrrh, well, it would be like bringing embalming fluid to a baby shower today. It would make no sense, but they recognized that this one whom they were worshiping would someday die. And so at the Incarnation, they're acknowledging his cross, that he is the one who's going to die for us. And so even at the time of the crucifixion, they tried to give him wine mixed with myrrh as an anesthetic. He refused it. And then Jesus, when he's wrapped in those garments uh, in the tomb, Nicodemus uh, with Josephus uh, 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 had 100 pounds of myrrh and aloes that they wrapped around his body. So they're remembering the Lord Jesus for who he is. And that's what we should do. And it should certainly elicit a sense of confidence that the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords, the title given to God the Father, but equally given to God the Son, because if you've seen Jesus, you've seen the Father. He is in control in this confused, mixed-up world, and he's coming back one of these days to rule and reign. Hmm. And we can rest in that this Christmas, that he's over it all. But among other things, like these wise men, we should worship him. Hmm. And sadly, the churches across America are closed on the Lord's Day, this coming Lord's Day. It's not convenient, Uh but but they should be open. Oh, absolutely. Ladies and gentlemen, as you're hearing this, are you of a spirit of worship, a spirit of humility, a falling down in worshiping the King of Kings? Are you confident that the God who prophesied exactly what would happen 2,000 years ago that came exactly to fulfillment, do you have the confidence that you can speak boldly? and live holy. I hope you do. When we come back, we're going to not just look back, but now we're going to look ahead. Hi, this is Bill Koenig of World Watch Daily from Washington, D.C. I commend Sam Moore for airing the Stand in the Gap radio program on the American Pastors Network. Sam and his team of Dave, Gary, and Isaac offers a wide variety of guests that discuss the important and relevant issues that keep Christians informed and engaged. As a White House correspondent for the past 17 years, I have appreciated the opportunity to share what I'm observing in our country and the platform to discuss the biblically significant times that we are living in regarding Israel, the Middle East, and other key places around the world. With the newspaper in one hand and the 
Word of God in the other, and with analysis from our team of preachers, combined with expert guests like Bill Koenig, Congresswoman Michelle Bachman, George Barna, Constitutional Attorney David New, IQ Abrasuli, and many more, with God's guidance and your financial and prayer support, the Stand in the Gap Today team is quickly becoming the most trusted source of news. Pray for us. Stand with us. With a one-minute look at culture from a Christian worldview, I'm John Stone Street with The Point. Walking into the Mall of America with her five-year-old son Landon, Carrie Hoffman remembers feeling strange. She prayed quietly for protection. Moments later, a stranger approached Landon and threw him over a third-story balcony. The five-year-old fell 40 feet, suffering broken arms, a broken leg, and a fractured skull. Miraculously, he survived. Listening to him breathing with the machines beeping was the best sound I heard in my life, his mom said. That meant he was alive. Well, now, several years later, Carrie and Landon are sharing their story. That day, a 24-year-old man showed up at the mall and said he was looking for someone to kill. But despite what he did to her son, Carrie wants people to know she's forgiven him. As she told ABC, I don't believe forgiveness is a feeling. I think it's a decision you have to make. The secular world doesn't really have a box for answered prayer or for forgiveness like this. The Hoffman family does. Thank God. For the Colson Center, I'm John Stone Street. Now just days away, while Christmas anticipation builds for us, it was even more so for Mary and Joseph. Imagine an angel telling you not to be afraid, even though your baby's father was God, and his name would be Emmanuel, God with us. Hello, I'm Sam Rohr with the American Pastors Network and a timely stand in the Gap Minute. Marvel with me, if you would, at this amazing miracle. God, the creator of human life, becomes father to his son Jesus, the son of God, who was born to die. So if we believe in him, we too can become a son of God. Now think about it. God in the flesh dies for our sins so we can also become a son of God to his father, now our father, and become brothers and joint heirs with Jesus himself. I can't explain this, but I can accept it. Have you experienced this miracle? You can. Partner with us in prayer and finances. Just go to AmericanPastorsNetwork.net. You're listening to Stand in the Gap today, discussing the pressing issues facing our culture from a biblical and constitutional perspective. Now let's rejoin our host. Well, if you're just joining us midway through the program, ladies and gentlemen, we're looking today at Christmas, Israel and prophecy. We're kind of putting them all together here on our Israel and prophecy Wednesday focus, but we're doing it in a different way, probably than you've heard before. We started Dr. Carl Brogy, my special guest today, senior pastor of Community Bible Church, and I gave a meta narrative, gave the big picture view of Christmas because it's much bigger than just the birth of Christ. There's a whole lot more that went before that, and there's a whole lot more that's going after that in these last 2,000 years, and there's a whole lot more yet to come. It's important to understand that we're trying to put that all together today, and we're doing this here midweek before Christmas, obviously just a few days down the road. But it's my hope and my prayer that this Christmas you consider Christmas and pursue it and approach it far differently in a much bigger way than perhaps you ever have before. And so that's what we're trying to do today. And again, just a reminder, tomorrow through the next week, you're going to be hearing best of show programs here on Stand in the Gap today. Don't tune out, tune in, because they're important. They're selected throughout the course of the year. We'll be playing those as our team takes a few days away from their family and all. And I hope that you do that as well. And so tune in, listen to that. That's what you're going to hear. But we wanted to conclude this active live program this week with this emphasis on 
one Christmas in a way perhaps you've not heard before. Now we've looked back. Let's look ahead. You know, the celebration of Christmas and the birth of Jesus Christ, as I said, is good. Well, absolutely. It's good. It's great. But Jesus didn't stay in the manger. He didn't come to be born alone. He came to die and to fulfill dozens of Old Testament prophecies, including fulfilling prophecy as the spotless Lamb of God to give his life and to rise again from the dead, making certain that all who believe anywhere in the world in any age, including us today, can become sons and daughters of God, joint heirs with Jesus, and in our church age, partakers of the promises of God to Abraham by being grafted into the commonwealth of Israel. Just unbelievable. So when we celebrate Christmas this year, 2022, may it represent so much more than just a baby in gifts, in a tree, in a starry sky. For 40 days after Christ's resurrection from the dead, as Carl just mentioned earlier, Jesus visibly and physically walked around. He ascended from the Mount of Olives in clear view of his disciples, and they wondered that what they saw. And two men, as recorded by Luke in Acts chapter 1, appeared unto them, and he said, You men of Galilee, why stand you gazing up into heaven? This same Jesus, which is taken up from you into heaven, shall so come in like manner as you have seen him go into heaven. Now, that's an indication to us that there's more to come. So, Carl, in looking back, as we did in the last segment, and celebrating Christmas, it should create a confidence. It should cause us to fall down and worship God. But it also sets the stage, does it not, for all believers to look ahead as well and anticipate his return. So in simple terms, what are those things all believers should be, us, particularly today, anticipating and looking forward to as it relates to the Christmas meta narrative and God's greater plan of redemption? What would you say? Well, uh, the, I suppose there's three words that could summarize uh, the incarnation. One is a cradle, one is the cross, and the third is the crown. Uh, he came to a cradle that he might go to the cross, but he's coming back as Lord of Lords and King of Kings. And that's called in Scripture the Blessed Hope. It will initially be fulfilled in the church at the rapture. And so we have much to look forward to in reference to that, and it should change us today. You know, John said that the one who um, uh, pure, who sets his hope on this, his blessed hope, he purifies himself as he's pure. So when we think about the fact that our king is coming back, that we will meet him at the judgment of the just, we should want to please him today to live holy and pure lives. Peter affirmed that when Jesus comes back at the end of the a day of the Lord, which begins with after the rapture and goes all the way through the millennial reign of the Messiah, that God's going to create a new heavens and a new earth. And then he asks the question, I'm paraphrasing now, but he says, since this is going to happen, what kind of person ought you to be? And so it should motivate us to live holy, to be a different kind of person, because our citizenship is in heaven, not of this world. And sadly, as I mentioned, you know, all across America, Sam, uh, churches are closed on Christmas Day because, well, you know, we've always said it's not about gifts. It's about Jesus. Kids, it's about Jesus. And now when the Lord's Day and Christmas fall on the same day and it won't happen again for 11 years, oh, we're going to cancel church rather than to prioritize what God prioritizes, and that is we are to gather for worship. And this is an opportunity for, for outreach, and we're to be different because our citizenship is in heaven. 
And when we look at the fact that he's coming back, we shouldn't be frightened. Jesus said, when you see these things, see that you're not frightened. And we're witnessing right before our eyes a growing evil all across the planet where Christians are increasingly being opposed. One of the young ladies in the church I pastor was fired this week from being a residential assistant because she misgendered a person, a girl named, we'll call her Jane, who wanted to be called he and him. And she refused to do that, so she was fired. This evil is just multiplying and growing and deepening. And so the scripture says, don't be frightened by the wars and the rumors of wars, because they're going to happen. And so what should we be doing? We should be evangelizing. Jesus said, night is coming when no one can work. And there's one thing we won't do in heaven. We'll pray in heaven. We'll worship in heaven. We'll, but we won't evangelize in heaven. The evangelistic opportunities will be forever closed. And we're, so we're to take the gospel to the whole world in these days. Carl, in the next segment, we're going to talk about looking up. Now, that's obviously the rapture, and we're going to talk about that. Right now, we're looking ahead, and obviously we're looking ahead to the rapture. But as God gave us precise instructions about how those believers alive before the time of Christ and around the time of Christ would know that, in fact, they were in special days, and then those details were fulfilled to the T— Well, Scripture gives an awful lot of prophecy and indications about when Christ's second coming will take place. Can you just lay out some of those? Because that should be a real confidence-building and passionate generation as well for us today. Identify some of those things. Are we close? Well, yes, yeah. So the super sign is Israel. You know, it's not by accident that for 1,900 years the Jews were scattered across the world. And a lot of believers, Sam, assumed, well— Maybe we misunderstood the Scripture. Maybe Augustine was right. Maybe the Catholics were right. Maybe some of the Protestant reformers who came out of Catholicism were right, that the Church has replaced Israel. But just as God uses this little patch of land to bring the first coming of the Messiah, He is going to use Israel to bring the second coming of the Messiah. And so Isaiah the prophet, who we've been referencing this morning, God said He will assemble the banished ones of Israel, and he will gather the dispersed of Judah from the four corners of the earth. The same prophet says, don't fear, I'll bring your offspring from the east, I'll gather you from the west, I'll say to the north, give them up to the south, don't hold them back. Bring my sons from afar and my daughters from the ends of the earth. In four specific times in the scripture, God affirms he'll do this at the end of the age before Messiah comes back to rule and reign on the earth. So when people say, well, you know, we've always had earthquakes and famines and all these things, that we're just more alert to them because, you know, the communication possibilities we have in our day, that's nonsense. That's unmitigated ignorance. The difference is that Israel is back in the land. And not only would they be back as a nation, but he would gather them from the four corners of the world. You were there a week or so ago. There was now 7 million Jews. In Israel, there's only about 12.5 million on the planet, and not all of them are going to come back. But God is setting the stage for the return of his son. Add to that, at the end of time, the Scripture said apostasy would grow. 
We're witnessing that across the planet. Even folks who say they are evangelical are now denying historical truths about Christianity. The coming of the Son of Man would be like the days of Noah, Jesus said. Those were days of lawlessness and moral permissiveness. And he said the coming of the Son of Man would be like the days of Lot. Those were days of moral perversion, homosexuality. There would have to be a globalistic atmosphere for the final prophecies to take place. We're living in that time frame. You always have to poke out your eyes and ignore the direct statements of Scripture, not to see what God is doing in our midst. And ladies and gentlemen, as you're listening to that, I hope that your heart is moved with emotion and that your mind is moved with purpose and that by choice, we look, we open our eyes and say, wow. And as Brother Carl just referred to, we have to be blind purposely not to see the things that are around us. God does not want us to be surprised. He's given us every indication. And what Dr. Brogy just talked about, the rebirth of Israel, the regathering is actually two different. The birth of Israel, 1948 as a nation, the regathering as we're still witnessing, these are the indications that the saints of the church age before us never saw. We see it should make us live holy, confident by looking back, purposeful and intentional as we look forward. And now in the next segment, we're going to conclude because we know before the big events of Christ's return comes, the rapture of the church, us alive today, happens. And we should look up. And there's a reason for that and a motivation that that should create. We'll talk about that next. From my wife, Ruth Ann, and me, we'd like to wish you and your family a very Merry Christmas and a blessed New Year. It's my prayer that you and all of our Stand in the Gap Today listeners and I will lead the way to a return to God in heart and mind. This is America's desperate need. For a gift of $25 or more this month, I'll send you an autographed copy of my new book entitled America's Roadmap to Renewal, The Answers to Past Prayers and the Hope for the Future. This beautiful book includes the 11 Bible principles essential for national greatness and God's blessing. Accompanied by Hidden American History, America's Roadmap to Renewal condenses the secret to America's former greatness as pulled from the pages of Scripture and embraced by our founders. For a gift of $25 or more this month, I'll send you an appreciation and autographed copy. Give online at StandInTheGapRadio.com or send your gift to 83 West Main Street, Elverson, Pennsylvania, 19520. All across America, parents find themselves considering whether homeschooling might be a viable option for their children during this time of COVID lockdowns and mask mandates. As a homeschooling mom, I'd like to tell you why BJU Press offers you the support and materials you need to give your child a well-rounded education. BJU Press approaches each subject from a biblical worldview perspective. God and His Word aren't just an add-on in Bible class. Rather, our amazing, all-powerful, creative, majestic God is present not only in science and history, but in English, math, reading, music, art, and more. Your children will be challenged and encouraged to seek Him with all their hearts while learning and growing in wisdom and knowledge. And isn't that what we want for them? Whether you prefer a traditional textbook education, the flexibility of online learning, or a mix and match approach, BJU Press has what you need. Visit their website at bjupresshomeschool.com. That's bjupresshomeschool.com. You're listening to Stand in the Gap today. 
For more information, visit our website at standinthegapradio.com. Well, since, as I mentioned in the last segment, beginning tomorrow through the balance of next week, we're going to be selecting the best programs, as we kind of determine a lot of them to be, from this last year and showcasing them. This will be the last time I'll be able to talk with you directly. And I just want to, again, thank all of you for being a part of this program this year. Thank all of you who have prayed regularly. I thank all of you for those of you who have given and have stewarded some of that which God has given you to this ministry. So very, very important. And above all, I thank the Lord for what He has done. I ask you to pray for us as we conclude this year and go into next year, our entire team. We need your prayers. We need the direction of the Holy Spirit. Our commitment is to truth, to do what God says. And we spend a lot of time. It's a big burden for any pastor who stands in the pulpit, any parent who teaches their children, and us here on this national pulpit at Stand in the Gap to make sure that what we share is not what we say is the truth, but what God says is the truth. So we need your help. So I would ask that you would consider, if you've never written to us, do that. Please, just share with us something that God has done through this program for you this year, how He's strengthened your life, encouraged you in some way. That would be fantastic, and I'd love to share some of those things with all of you next year when we come back. And also consider taking some of that which God has given you, and consider laying up some treasure in heaven, because it's certainly going to disappear down here. And we will promise before God to take and use what you have given wisely and for his purposes. So that's my commitment to you. Thank you for being with us. And would ask that you can do that. Just go to our website, standinthegapradio.com or on our app or just put something in the mail and the addresses anywhere you can find on our site. But let's move into this. Now we're looking at Christmas, Israel and prophecy. We looked back. We looked ahead in the last segment. We're going to talk about looking up. You know, understanding the fullness of God's plan of redemption, the big story that our guest, Dr. Carl Brogge, laid out earlier, his promise to provide a redeemer for fallen mankind, to crush the head of the serpent, all prophesied in Genesis 3.15, is certainly necessary for all saints of God in all time, and regardless of the age, whether Noah or Abraham, or Jeremiah, Daniel, or the Apostle Paul, or any of us who are living today, 2,000 years after the first coming of Christ, all have had to look back or should look back, and all should look ahead. And while people will yet be born and die during the time of tribulation, just ahead, and billions more likely during the millennial kingdom, that thousand-year range, all will view their life differently from their perspective in that time. All will be able to look back. All will look ahead but all going to see things just a little bit differently because God's plan of redemption started a long time ago and there's a lot yet to be fulfilled. But the essential elements were happened at the first coming. The second coming now is right before us. So with that in mind, Carl, while the coming seven-year period described as the time of tribulation or God's wrath for the Gentile world and referred to in Old Testament as time of Jacob's trouble, generally for the Jewish people, while this time is yet to come, and you laid out why it is near to the door, we in this age of the church are commanded to look up. So here's my question. For what are we to look up? And why are we to be looking up in this age, which you laid out so clearly is at the door since Israel's back in the land and the people are regathered? 
Well, it's a great question. I think, again, of what the Apostle John said, Sam, in 1 John 3, said, Beloved, we're children of God. It's not as pure as yet what we're going to be, but we know that when Jesus appears, we'll be like him because we'll see him just as he is. And then he says, everyone who has his hope set on him, on Jesus, purifies himself just as he is pure. And what I find interesting is with virtually every passage in the New Testament that speaks of the return of the Lord Jesus, there's an accompanying command as to how we should live and how that should affect our lives. And so it's not just to make us smarter sinners that we study prophecy. Its design is to make us more like Jesus Christ. And at the end of the age, the Scripture promised that one of the things that would characterize the church would be apathy. Uh, just an indifference to the things of God. And that, of course, is one of the things that allows for evil to spread so quickly. And then when the church is gone entirely, the restraining ministry of the Spirit through the church will be gone, and hell is really going to have a holiday, and sin will have its greatest expression. So, yes, we should be those who ponder and consider what God says, because our salvation isn't completed yet. We've been saved from the penalty of sin. We call that justification. We're being saved from the power of sin. We call that sanctification. But some blessed day, Jesus will come. He'll snatch us away. We'll be saved from the very presence of sin, and that's called glorification. And when Paul comes to the end of his life, I always think of what he said. He said, I fought the good fight. I finished the course. I kept the faith. And then he says, in the future... There is laid up a reserve for me the crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge, will award to me on that day, and not only to me, but all who have loved his appearing. And so there are rewards for the believers, just as hell is not the same for everyone, though in general terms, when the Bible describes it, it's absolutely horrible. Even so, uh, heaven will not be the same for everyone. It's magnificent, but it won't be the same. God will reward unbelievers and believers according to their works. We're saved by grace, but we are rewarded in heaven for the work that we allow God's Spirit to do through us. And so Paul says when you think about the return of Christ, those who do that, there's a crown of righteousness. It's one of five crowns listed in the New Testament that God gives to his people, to those who love his appearing. And so if someone doesn't love the appearing of Christ, that he is coming back, it can mean only one of two things. Either A, they've never been born again, never been regenerated, or B, they are out of fellowship with the living God. And so if that's our situation, we need to get our heart right. And so, yes, we should be looking ahead towards our Savior who is coming, because he's going to redeem us from this godless world, and our citizenship is not here, but Paul says, in heaven, from whom we eagerly wait. For a Savior, Christ Jesus. You know, we don't have time to really to get into this, Carl, but, you know, I thought, you know, for us how, looking up for the return of Christ as in the rapture is different than, well, Old Testament saints, because it couldn't happen then. It's not going to happen in millennial because there's only one rapture. We are in a most unique generation, are we not? And what motivation does that thought develop in your heart? Carl, can I just ask you that personal question? And then sure. by so saying, <laughs> what should be in our hearts? Yeah, no, you know, I often tell our people, when you go into Walmart around October near Halloween and you see the Christmas decorations go up, you know that Thanksgiving is near. Why? Because Thanksgiving precedes Christmas. 
And we are witnessing before our eyes. People often say, I wish I could have lived in biblical times. They are living in biblical times. We who are alive at this age of the church are seeing the final schedule, the very things that God prophesied, being fulfilled before our eyes. And it's a reminder that while the rapture is a signless event, the second coming is a prophetically driven event. The Lord could have come at 500 A.D., snatched up his people, soon gathered the Jews back in the land and fulfilled the program, but he didn't. He waited nearly 1,900 years before he moved Israel back into the land, gathered them from the four corners of the world. He's setting the moral climate. He's allowing it to happen. God is not the author of sin, but he can use sin. And Carl, and Carl, the time has come for us to close. Ladies and gentlemen, thank you for being with us. Searchthescriptures.org is where you can find more of Carl's preaching. And ladies and gentlemen, as we look at everything today, look back, look ahead, look up, live confidently, live with purpose, live passionately, live holy. This is Christmas. Let it be a Christmas unlike any Christmas before. If you like today's program, tell a friend. You'll also want to hear Stand in the Gap Weekend and watch the nationally syndicated Stand in the Gap TV program. We present the news of the day truthfully, carefully, and consistently from a biblical worldview and constitutional perspective. If you're hungry for the truth, Visit StandInTheGapMedia.org to find all our programs and the stations that carry them. While you're there, be sure to download our free app and support this ministry with your best financial gift. Then join us again right here Monday through Friday for another program of Stand in the Gap Today.